welcome to another episode of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Johnny Manziel will become even bigger in the city of Cleveland than his buddy and business partner LeBron James ever was. With Christian Ainsworth. Ben Simmons to me is the fifth best basketball player in the world. And Price Carter. Under pressure? Yes, Kawhi is better than Kobe was. I'm here to tell you about the player that's going to take the NFC East by storm and also get some MVP votes. We're talking about Danny Dimes. That might be the worst take I've ever heard. Hello and welcome in to the September 13th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is the first victory Monday of the NFL season, of the Chiefs season. As always, this is Price and Christian's joining me as always as well. And as always, we're also brought to you by Arrowhead Live. Christian, it's a great day to be a Chiefs fan. How are you feeling after the game? Uh, Well, I had to go in and get a prescription for blood pressure medication after that game because Boy, I was not happy. I was uh, I was happy by the end of it, but had a heart attack halfway through. What about you, man? You know, I'm actually pretty proud of myself. I I feel like there's a level of we've been here before enough when it comes to one the Chiefs being down, and then also realizing like if the Chiefs were to lose that game, that it wasn't going to be the end of the world. As far as you know, this wasn't going to be the season make or break. But I mean, it, it was frustrating for sure. And there was just a long, a long time there that I was sitting there thinking like, boy, they're, they're really kind of getting in the danger zone of not being able to pull this out. And there for a while, I mean, I tweeted out, I was like, this is about to be a blowout. And I mean, someone got on to me later, like, wow, this didn't age well. And it's like, well, I mean, things changed. Of course they changed. But I mean, it was on its, at that point, I think whenever I tweeted that out, the score was 22-10, and the Browns were driving again before half. I mean, if that wasn't on the way to being a blowout, it was it was definitely on pace for it. Now, fortunately, the Browns didn't get any points out of that drive. But, I mean, overall, for me, it was you, – you can't look at it any other way and say it's not a good win. I mean, that, that's a good win. Of course, it's a good win. The, you know, the offense pulled it out when they needed to. The defense improved when it had to. There were some key plays. Really, in coming back to this, this game boiled down to about five plays. It, came, it, it boiled down to Patrick Mahomes, 75-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Kickoff, Chris Jones, massive sack on Baker Mayfield after that negative six yards the next two or three plays the punt that's just for inexplicable reasons dropped and then he didn't try to get the punt off either and gives the Chiefs great field position two plays later Patrick Mahomes touchdown to Travis Kelsey I mean that's that was the game right there those five plays oh yeah and man I really like how, how you kind of wrapped all that up it's for me it was definitely like a positive and a negative game, right? Like the positive is like the Browns had to play nearly perfect football and they still got beat. Like it boiled down to like four or five mistakes, like a Baker Mayfield pass at the end with Daniel Sorensen being as clutch as he always is, uh, you know, tripping him up and and forcing an interception. Like it's, it's crazy to think that our defense can play as bad as it played and as inconsistent as it, as they played and our offensive line cannot be great and they can be up and down and Clyde can miss wide open holes running for 25 yards. I mean, like we can make all of those mistakes and Patrick Mahomes is like, yeah, but you know, it's me and Kelsey, right? Like it's me and Tyreek. So we really, all we need are three players and we can still beat teams like the Browns. Um, On the other side of that, the bad is that, Dude, I, I am not usually one to overreact to games. I Man, dude, I was in a bunker. I was writing down, uh, you know, th- this was essentially the apocalypse for me because I, I went through and I, I had my projection being Chris Jones is going to be defensive player of the year. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty bold take, um, especially considering he hasn't played defensive end. And I threw that out the window about three drives in. Because I forgot one of the biggest things about Chris Jones, he doesn't play the the run well. And when you're outside on the edge, 
you have to set the edge. There, there's a reason Nick Chubb got about anything he wanted that game. It's because Chris Jones was refusing to set the edge. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. There's two, there's two really big areas of concern that I feel like the classic, I don't, I don't want to use this term poorly, but the classic knee-jerk Chiefs fan is going to come away with from that game. One of them is going to be the defense, and then one of them is going to be the offensive line. That's not my biggest area of concern coming from the game. And also, I, I hate bringing up area of concern this early into game. It was a fantastic game. Patrick Mahomes is the ultimate weapon. That play to Tyreek Hill literally defined fuck it Tyreek down there somewhere. And, like, he threw it. And it was – I mean, that – I sat there and thought about would that play – that play could have never have happened with Alex Smith at quarterback and the calmness that I feel when they're down double digits with Patrick Mahomes is just, it's, it's truly, we, my son growing up will always have Patrick Mahomes until he retires. I will remind him every day of how fortunate he had is to have Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback. Oh yeah, dude. Did, did you notice that he threw the ball behind Tyreek intentionally because Ty, he knew Tyreek was faster coming back to the ball. He's like, I'll, I'll throw it. He's on the backside. I'll throw it behind him. We'll be good. And yep, it's exactly what happened. It was almost wasp all over again. Like, I'll throw it. He'll catch it. I, I just got to put it where only he's fast enough to get it. Well, the play it reminded me of the most was the one in the Ravens game back in 2018, the third and or the fourth and nine or wherever, where he just heaved it up and Tyreek came down with it with a bum ankle. That's the one it reminded me of more because he was rolling to the opposite side of the field. And I, I mean, I honestly thought he was getting ready to go out of bounds or throwing the ball away. But I mean, going back to what I was saying, as far as my two biggest areas of concern, the good thing is, is that I feel like the two areas of concern that most Chiefs fans have after this game also have the most room for improvement. This offensive line is never going to be, or I shouldn't say never, was never going to be a complete product by week one. This is, you know, a bunch of people laughed at me when I said that Jadavian Clowney was going to be a tough, a tough player to handle. He doesn't produce sacks, but he is in the backfield constantly, and he's a freak athlete. That has not changed. That's why he was a number one overall pick. Miles Garrett is a top two pass rusher, and it's him and Chandler Jones. I mean, it's those two, the, the defense and the pass rusher, things that you feel like are going to get better. The Chiefs defense looked like a defense that was missing a starter at each player of the level or each level of the defense. Frank Clark was dearly missed in the run game. He's their second best pass rusher. Um, you know, Willie Gay's kind of an unknown at this point, but they definitely could have used his athleticism as much as they were getting carved up by tight ends in the passing game. And Tyron Matthews, an all pro. I mean, those those are the things that I think most people came away concerned with. I, yes, I do have concerns about Orlando Brown, but I also think that, you know, he was going against probably one of the top two players at that position in the, in the league. My biggest concern coming away from this game is the chiefs. And I know some people disagree with this or don't seem to care about it as much as I do. They have to find another op offensive weapon going Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey all day, every day, it works in the regular season and it will work 15 to 14 games out of the year to win. But the problem is that the truly great teams can eliminate two players. That is why Sammy Watkins was so crucial in 2019. The Titans game, he was key. The Super Bowl, he was key. The Chiefs need that third option. And Edward Dallaire is not it to me. I, I'm sorry. I know that you have been a big believer of him. And obviously it's week one the offensive line coming back to it. Part of that is what succeeds, but he, uh, I'm sitting here looking at PFF's grades, zero explosive plays, zero first down rushes. So he did not rush for a single first down and he was stuffed at the line of scrimmage on 14.6 of his plays, just 43 yards rushing. Now he had 29 through the air and that one little weak pattern that he did to where Mahomes just floated in his arms was brilliant. But I mean, Elaire is not that and neither is Hardman. They need a third option. So let me be clear about Clyde, because I, I have been a big supporter of him, right? I, I was in on him. I had him mocked to the Chiefs uh, back in his draft class. I believe I had him as our second round pick um, instead of our first round. But, you know, I'll leave that be. And he was not good on Sunday. And, and I really think that he has the potential to be way better than that. 
unfortunately, he hasn't shown us that. And, and a lot of people came at me when I said, by this was his year on the hot seat. It's not looking too like too bad of a take now. I mean, you got a brand new O-line. I think they played a little up and down, which is one of my biggest takeaways from that game. Um, but, man, Clyde has to be better. There are screenshots of him coming up to the line and there being a clear left side of the field, and he runs right into the defensive tackle. I mean, it was just super poor play from him on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I – I wouldn't even necessarily have to say that you have to call yourself a supporter. Cause that sounds like you're, you're calling your shots when it comes to Clyde. It's just more of like, you know, there was a potential there for him to be good, but for him to just be a long-term answer as another weapon in this offense, it's just not been there to this point. Obviously the offensive line can improve, but even that is an indictment of itself. If he's waiting for the offensive line for him to improve, then it's not, it's not him, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about the offensive line making lanes for a average running back. Truthfully, I feel like the Chiefs' best opportunity at being a good offense is to really leverage the three running backs that they have. They have three running backs that are all good at different things. Clyde Edwards Alaire is the low to the ground, elusive. He's good at after the catch. He's good, you know, getting behind a big line. Um, Daryl Williams is a nice downhill runner. He's good in pass pro and Jarek McKinnon gives them that home run threat where he can break one big. And I, I feel like they're, you know, McKinnon saw like one or two snaps um, and Daryl saw very little action as well. Just one carry. I would really like to see them start upping that and at least make Dar- uh, you know, make Clyde, Daryl, Jarek, all a change of pace. Oh yeah. And, and I don't want to be, you know, the guy, I don't think that we necessarily, at least this past game was, I don't, I don't really think that it was, we needed a third weapon. I think it was, I mean, mostly the defense was the reason that we didn't play very well, but if Tyreek and Travis are open, I think Tyreek was like 11 for 15, like, hell yeah, throw him the ball more, like give him 20, 20 attempts. There's no reason why if they're not open, we shouldn't pass to them. But I completely understand you when you say, we need a reliable number three because where was everybody else? McCole Hardman was nowhere to be found. I don't even know. Does he have, did he have any? He was, he was running out of bounds before the first down marker when he could have like stepped across the line and make a first down. That's what he was uh, doing. No, that was D-Rob. No, that, you're right. You're right. That, that was Hardman. <laughs> the fact um, that I had to think about it says everything we need to know. though. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Which, well, which one was it? He also almost fumbled a punt again, which don't even get me started on that. Dude should not see any special teams reps other than on the kickoff. Yeah, you know, we don't have to keep dwelling on the pass for, or the pass catching options. But ultimately, I think there's there was a lot of things to take away from this game. Um, and to go more on the positive side, you know, Chris Jones like you said, he took over the game in the second half and the way that he dominated that game, especially when he really gets into it, solely talked about it, that these offensive lines that are rough and tumble, they, they really can get under his skin. And when they piss him off, he's, he's unstoppable. So that was really good to see. And I wanted to go back to something that you said as well, too. And this is this is an interesting narrative. You know, there's always some idiot that says something or the blueprint is out on how to beat the Chiefs. And I'm trying I I keep going back and forth. Did. Did the Browns have a perfect game and just fall short or did they not play a perfect game? And that's why they fell short. I know that kind of sounds a little um, chicken or egg, but I think the difference is, is that if you truly believe that the Browns played about as perfect as they came can and they fell short then you know that's reason to celebrate if you're a Chiefs fan or were they you know just hurt by a couple of mistakes and this game should have been a blowout it's kind of the difference we're talking about you know is it luck or was the Chiefs putting pressure on them part of the reason why they couldn't execute a perfect game well I think that I think the Browns really did play as perfect of a game as you can ask we, we talked to Sully again and he said this is uh well you and him said this could be a game where the the Browns dominate both sides of the ball on the line like and and that's exactly what happened like if you looked at 
their defensive line, they were pushing us around. There were, there were a few holes and, and Mahomes didn't make it easy on him dropping back as far as he was. And then on the other side of the ball, man, dude, nobody was setting the edge. Uh, everybody was rushing downfield. They threw screens and man, it was just, it was so infuriating to me to see Chris Jones walk past and like, you, there's a reason that they're letting you run past them. They're, you know, that you got to feel that out, especially as a defensive lineman, a de- defensive end rather. But yeah, I mean, what else could they have done? They scored on almost every drive until the fourth quarter. They didn't turn the ball over much. Nick Chubb had a fumble. What What is that? His fifth fumble in his career? Like that. sometimes that is just going to happen in football. That's just an unlucky thing. I don't think that Nick Chubb is insecure holding the football or, or anything like that. And Baker Mayfield made a pass that he thought was going to be completed um, or he was going to throw it out of bounds. He knew it wasn't going to be a turnover and got tripped up. Daniel Sorensen diving at his back foot as he let go of the ball. I don't think that he could have read that any better, um, except for maybe just falling down. Like I don't think that that's uh, an indictment on Baker's play either. I think that everybody played really well and the Chiefs just had three more stops than they did. And, and that was the difference in the game. Well, and honestly, I don't know if you – Miles Garrett has said some pretty ridiculous things. Um, he had two just really, really home runs this week um, quotes. First off, his quote talking about the, def- or the defensive back that pushed the Chiefs running back coach on the sideline. Um, Miles Garrett, quote, unquote, said he needs to learn to be able to keep his cool. Miles Garrett, of course, knows how to keep his cool on the field. Um, you know, attacking someone with a helmet, but that's not even the most stupid thing that he said. The other stupid thing he said is he, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he more or less called the Mahomes to Tyreek play luck, a 50, 50 ball that he got away with. And that that's just what they do. And you know, that they should have come down with that. And I think that says, that says everything I've seen this game. And you know what, until you're on the other side of it, I don't think fan bases realize it. I don't think Broncos fans get it. I don't think Raiders fans get it because it was the same thing against that the Raiders in Las Vegas last year. The, the fan base that loses comes away thinking, boy, we almost had you, and you just got those one or two, three breaks, and that was the difference in this game. But next time, just you wait. No, I've been here before. We were here with Alex Smith, and I watched game after game, play after play, make the difference. Oh, that holding building. Oh, the – fumbled punt. Oh, this, oh, that. And it was two or three things that separated us from the good teams. But the difference wasn't those two or three things. It's that every team makes mistakes. Every team. Yeah. Jedrick Wills got hurt. I'm sure that did help Cam or Chris Jones get better, but also the chiefs have the deficit eraser. They have Patrick Mahomes. No game reminded me more of this than the 2015, the first game of chiefs Broncos, Jamal Charles had a back-breaking fumble that was scooped and scored, and that was the difference in the game. And we had Peyton Manning on the ropes, and we were ready to win. But the fact is not that we were that close to beating them and that we lost. The fact is that we were just that much further away from victory. It's the fact that, yeah, we had a small lead on the Broncos, but we weren't perfect enough to overcome that. And the fact is that the Chiefs made mistakes. Chris Jones and that encroachment on – the opening drive that led to eight points instead of seven points, but the chiefs overcome those things. The chiefs were not without fault. They did not play the perfect game today. Their defense was a turnstile for most of the game, but they have the deficit eraser. Well, and I don't want to belabor this point too much. I mean, we've gone over it um, for a while now, but we've watched, I, I know personally I have, and I'm sure that you have watched every rep Mahomes has taken uh, multiple times. I, I've seen Chiefs games. I usually watch the Chiefs games two or three times to really pick up on what's going on with the team, um, see where players are, are being moved to, stuff like that. Listen, Mahomes is either the luckiest quarterback of all time, and he's closing his eyes and, and throwing the ball up, and, and God is magically guiding it where it needs to go, or he's just really good. And I, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of teams come in there and like, oh, you know, uh, Mahomes had that. Uh, if they didn't throw Wasp and if Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, makes that throw, then the Chiefs would have lost. It's like, yeah, well, yeah, if the other team played better, then they would have won. Like that's that's how every NFL game is played. Yeah. If, if you didn't make as many mistakes and we made more, 
or the same amount as we did in the game, yeah, we would have lost. That, that's just how the game is played. I'm, I'm focused on not ifs, but what actually happened. If we played better, nah, nah, no, don't, don't come with me with that. We played better than they did. And yeah, luck has a factor in every single game. Well, you know, um, Nate Taylor and Josh Briscoe, they do a podcast together and they have this saying, and honestly, it's a little hokey, but I was thinking about it last night. They have the saying, they say the Chiefs only play weird games and they chalk that up to just, you know, no game feels like a normal game with the Chiefs. There's always something that just seems out of the ordinary, something that makes the game not go the way that was expected. A player gets hurt, yada, yada, yada. It's one of their calling cards. The Chiefs only play weird games. And I started to think about why is it that the Chiefs, quote unquote, only play weird games? And I realized the reason why that is because the Chiefs are unlike any team. We were just talking about those five plays that changed the whole game. You think about some of the biggest games that the Chiefs have played. They are all defined by they are they're like a basketball team. They're like a good NBA team. They get on runs. And they just, they, they're, they're like an amoeba. They just gain energy and they get stronger and stronger. The crowd gets into it. And before you know it, they've scored 23 points and a half, or they've scored 24 points in a quarter, like against the Texans. And the defense feeds off that. The Chiefs are not, you know, we heard this during the 2019 Super Bowl. Oh, you know, 53 men, the, the 49ers are the superior team, but that doesn't matter because if you're going to take the top five players from each team, four of them are going to be Chiefs. And they just have a defense that's opportunistic, that's good enough, that puts pressure on you, and the offense is just so strong. And ultimately, that's what makes the Chiefs this, you know, they only play weird games. It's because they can overcome things that other teams can. And then their defense and their special teams take chances because they know of that offense. And the offense puts automatic pressure on other teams. We saw it um, a couple years ago whenever the Ravens played the Chiefs at home they were going for like every fourth down going for two every time. And they ended up screwing themselves out of seven or eight points that way. Now, Kevin Stefanski cashed in on those opportunities and it did put pressure on the chiefs, but even then it came back to bite them in the end because they were starting to settle for field goals and extra points at, at the end. Oh yeah. Well, they had to though. I mean, like you said, once the chiefs get rolling, it's a scary sight. We saw it two years ago, right. With Houston in the, in the playoffs, and then the Titans in the playoffs, and then the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They, you, they get down. Mahomes says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just wait till the third quarter. Then he turns on the Jets, and it's a completely different ballgame. This is one of I, – I really like that quote, and I really like that you brought that up because this is one of the weirdest teams in the NFL. It does feel like more of a basketball team. It, I, I usually – I like the momentum in basketball a little more than I like the momentum in football because it's any given Sunday and the football gods can just decide that you're going to have an injury or that, um, you know, your, your kicker is going to muff the punt. Like there, there are a million things that can happen instead of like a seven game series in basketball where, you know, if you're up to um, and get that third game, it's basically over there. There, there are a hundred different things that could go on with that, but yeah, the, the chiefs have this innate ability to be down and then one spark and they're, you know, as hot as a, a campfire. It's just crazy to me. Yeah. So with that being said, let's kind of take a look at some of the players that we thought let's, let's do this. Let's do our two players that were the most encouraging and the two players that the most concerning just to kind of cap it off. Um, for me, and I'm going to try to not just pick Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, uh, Creed Humphrey looked really good. I think he had about one snap that he wasn't perfect on that I that kind of stood out to me. But he looked he looked really, really solid. Um, PFF graded him really well. He was about the only offensive lineman for the Chiefs that was graded well um, yesterday. But he looked really good. I was really pleased with what I saw. Um, and, you know, I'm going to – there's no more weird player with the chiefs right now than Juan Thornhill. Cause he's like, you know, sometimes you can like flip a coin and say if he's going to be an all pro or is he the third string safety? But I was really encouraged by what I saw by him, especially in the second half. And seriously, 
this defense, if Juan Thornhill can get back to what he is, it is a major, major upgrade for what it does for Tyron Matthew, what it does for Daniel Sorensen, and what it does for that whole secondary. So I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill and Creed Humphrey as my two most encouraging players from the game. What about you? So you stole Juan Thornhill from me, but that's all right. I have backups. I think we'll be okay. Um, I really, really liked Juan Thornhill, though. Like, I, I'll just touch on this and go on to my two. He played – uh, an up and down first quarter or first half. And then he came back in the second and had that Tyron Matthew esque swat the ball away pass deflection where I stood up, stood up out of my seat. Like it, it was so exciting to see him make another like really big time play. He made one in the preseason with that diving interception. If he gets going at this chief, it's, this chief's defense will be different on the back end, um, especially later in the season. For my first one, I'm going to go with Nick Bolton. And I'm going to say this a million times on this because this is just how the game went. Um, he had an up and down game, but there were some times where he was taking on blocks, shedding guards, and tackling the like the running backs like Nick Chubb for a loss, especially against that offensive line. That's not something that's easy to do. And having dealt with, not really dealt with, I guess, but having had Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman as our main linebackers for the past two or three years, seeing that and seeing somebody who's very aggressive and can take on blocks and shed them effectively is really, really nice. Now he didn't have the best in the, in the past game, but I think he's going to be really, really good. And it was really encouraging to see him play well. I'll push back on that a little bit. I saw some like, I don't disagree that Nick Bolton had a good game and it was encouraging what we saw for him. That's a really hard team to st have your first ever start from, especially at the linebacking position. Whenever that team literally abuses you with play action so well, I mean, how could you not take a step towards Brad, uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt? I mean, it, they're just so solid there. And the offensive line is so good, but I saw some tweets and these were not just like random people that we follow. We're talking people who write about the cheese, people who, um, cover the Chiefs for local media. They're like, Nick Bolton has announced himself to the NFL today. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't sit there in the first half and just ridicule the defense all day. And then Nick Bolton makes two stops. And one of which was not, I mean, the tackle that he made on Kareem Hunt, where it was the pass out in the flat, it was a nice, solid tackle. And I will tell you that is one thing that Nick Bolton excels at. He is a good tackler. When he gets ahead on you, you are going down. And that's, that's a great thing to have. But that was still like a three- or four-yard play. It's not like he broke the pass up or grabbed him behind the line of scrimmage. And then he did have a nice play in the run, uh, that run stop. But, I mean, I think he played well. I think there's some things to be encouraged about. But there's also a reason why the Chiefs were abused by tight ends this whole game. And part of that's Nick Bolton as well. I think, I think it was a very up and down. I'm not telling you personally that that was a bad person to pick for your encouraging. Cause I think there were some encouraging signs, but I don't think we need the, you know, Nick Bolton has announced himself to the NFL this year. I think we can, I think we can put that one on the back burner for a few weeks. Oh no, no, no. I'm not saying that he is coming out and he is now the best linebacker that the chiefs had by, by no means, but I, I am saying that he had a really good game. There were some good things that I saw from him. So for sure, I, I for appreciate sure. your constructive, uh, constructive critique of that but I will say as well that that Ben Neiman was one of the main reasons I think he had maybe his worst game as a chief and that's not good when you're going up against one of your top rivals in the AFC so my second player at least that I have for for my two best players is going to be I was going to say uh Juan Thornhill but we'll just go with Trey Smith and now he had some up and ups and downs as well but once again, talking to Sully, I just had it made me have to watch him. And I watched him the whole game. And once again, up and down game. But there are some things that he was doing that we have not seen even Colecio Simile do when he was here for that short amount of time. He was extremely physical. He was moving people. And it, that's that type of aggression is so hard to deal with, especially on the offensive line, unless you have guys that are just way, way better. And they did have guys that were way, way better, but it, it didn't affect him as much as I thought it would for being a sixth round pick playing his first NFL game. So I think he, he showed some signs that he's going to be really good in the future. Obviously, there are things to work on, 
Um, but overall, I think he played pretty well. Absolutely. Um, okay, the two players that I was most concerned about, um, I think that this one, th- this is more about the investment in the player rather than their performance. But I- I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to cons- be concerned about Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, man, it, it, every snap just looks the same to me. It looks like he is backpedaling as fast as he can in the players just running around him. And I know that Mahomes needs to work on stepping up in the pocket. And that last sack was definitely more on Mahomes than it was um, the tackles. But it just seems like he's like he chases and then he gets a hand or two on him. But I never feel like he's truly in front of the person that he's blocking that left tackle. And, you know, that <laughs> there's some reason for concern there for sure. And they're going to have another challenge this coming week. And we'll get to the Ravens here in a little bit. But Titus Bowser is an underrated pass rusher. Justin Houston, we know, is physical and is still good. And then, on you know, the inside is going to have Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, some good players there. And we know that the Ravens like to bring the house when it comes to blitzes. So, you know, that, and they know Orlando Brown as a player. I will, I will not be surprised at all if they're bringing faster, more athletic blitzer on that other side. Jason Owe, um, you know, their new draft pick is a very athletic player. So I'm concerned about Brown and mainly because we invested what we invested in him and we'd like to see that return on investment pay off. The worst thing that can happen with Orlando Brown is that he's mediocre. If he's great, that means the Chiefs have to pay him. It'll, you know, it'll be tough to hand out another big contract, but at least the investment works out. If he's awful, you just cut bait and walk away. The worst thing he can be is mediocre. And then you have to give him a big deal that may not be worth what he's worth. Uh, second player that I'm just going to go with, and you know, he's the recent bane of existence when it comes to Chiefs, is going to be um, McCole Hardman. You know, it, for all of the hand-wringing over him this offseason and camp, and it's totally different this year, it's not different. And you know what? I know it's one game, and he might be better. And, yes, I'm sure he'll break free on a big leak pattern um, and, you know, get a big turn, a big touchdown or take an end around for a big thing. And all the, you know, all the people will come out of the woodwork talking about how he's a game changer. He's he, to me in the preseason and this alone, he's already proven that he is not the wide receiver too. You know, he's like that video. You're not that guy. You're not that guy, man. You're not that guy. He's not, he's not the person and that's okay. It's not a terrible draft pick, but he is, you know, we've made this comparison a lot. He is much closer to Dexter McCluster than he is to Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, I, I think that you're right on the second one. I will, however, push back on your first one. And that's because my first player, first concern, this is going to sound like an extremely cold take. I'm sorry. I think it's Patrick Mahomes a little bit. And, and I'll tell you why. You have to know the guys that you have up front. And Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm not saying that he can't make up for his deficiencies. Not hating on him at all. I will say, though, when he had Mitch Schwartz on the right side, he knew he had to go a little bit over to the right to make it a little bit easier for a guy who didn't test extremely well in the combine, who doesn't move. He helped him out. I mean, that was the thing. You, you have to help out the guys that you have up front. And, and one of the reasons that Brown did had one of his worst games of his career um, was because Mahomes was dropping back 15 yards in the pocket. And you cannot do that. And, and, and I can understand why he was doing that. But that's something that has to get fixed. There, there's a reason that Mahomes was on the run as much as he was. There's a reason he got sacked two times. And yes, it was a little up and down offensive line play. But when you have guys that are, are not incredibly athletic on the outside, like Eric Fisher, I think you have to help him up out a little bit by standing up in the pocket. I mean, those pockets, there were a lot of times where he was running out of the pocket or dropping 10 yards back for almost no reason. So I'll, I'll say Patrick Mahomes a little bit. I'll, I'll qualify that with him still being the best player in the world. And then for my second one, it's going to be CEH. And I think that, like I said, I love the guy. I think that he, played really really good in college I think he was a really good prospect I do think he's on the hot seat I don't think that you can have a performance like he did consistently and still be on this team they have to see a return on that first round investment 
They got a lot of heat for taking a running back in the first round for good reason. It's it's not a valuable valuable position on the football field. I really think that that he has to perform better. I think that he will perform better, but it is very, very, very concerning to see him miss wide open lanes outside of the tackles that he picked up in college. Like that, that's just unacceptable. You cannot do that. That's something that has to get fixed. For sure. Just to put a bow on it. This is a great win. Love to see the team coming back from behind. This is a massive game. And I mean, the Chiefs are going to, they just get to go through the gauntlet so early here. They've got the, they've got the Browns beat. They've got the Ravens coming up next week. The Bills, they're going to face most of the teams that are considered the favorites for the AFC. And Matt Verderam put this in a tweet and it just, it just makes a lot of sense. The, if so, let's say the Chiefs are going, you have them penciled in for going 14 and three. That means that the Browns can only lose one more game this season and still come away with the number one overall seed because they have to be one better game than the Chiefs, Chiefs the rest of the year. So huge win. Love to see it. Um, your big takeaway. Uh, this is going to sound a uh, super not hot take at all. I guess the defense needs to play better. Mahomes is needs to play a little better and we need a third weapon. That's, those are my takeaways. They just, they just got to play better. It's first game of the season, knock the rust off. No excuses next week. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's um, switch gears here a little bit. Speaking of needing to play better. There were some very surprising scores from the, around the league this year. We're going to talk a little bit about which ones are flukes, which ones are not. Last year, week one, the Jaguars won the only football game they won the whole year. Week one is notorious for a lot of, you know, false narratives, including, you know, week two, week three, Cam Newton was an MVP candidate last year, and he didn't throw double-digit touchdowns the rest of the year. Um, Honestly, there's some um, games that came away with some interesting results. I'm going to list a couple. And we can just kind of talk about them, which ones we think are more legit and which ones are just kind of noise. First one, and the one that was kind of the most surprising to me was, well, actually, no, this one wasn't the most surprising, but it was good to see. The Steelers beat the Bills 23-16. Did you get a chance to watch this game? I did. It was one of the two games that I was watching. I believe the Colts game was on at the same time. I was flipping back and forth, but I ended up staying on that one because I was so surprised at what was happening. Yeah, I, um, you know, this was this was really odd. It just felt like the Bills offense could never get going. Um, They constantly digs could not get going. You know, they found Cole Beasley a couple of times. And we know that the Bills are not a team that runs the ball well, but this felt like two years ago, Josh Allen, not the Josh Allen we know. And, you know, I'm not going to get super hyperbolic on this because I think there's a good chance that next week the Bills come out and just look like the same old team that they were last year. But there's, there's some really interesting similarities between Carson Wentz's one season and Josh Allen's one season. And, you know, if Carson Wentz would have stayed healthy, their numbers would have looked a lot, like a lot the same. Um, So this one I'm going to call mostly noise, not news, because I do think that one, you know, this game got bogged down a little bit. The Steelers defense is still probably going to be one of the best in the league. And the Steelers also, you know, the other part of this is, you know, was it more about the Bills losing or more about the Steelers winning? And I think it was more about the Bills losing, but you know, I've brought it up before. I've already predicted that the Bills are not winning the AFC East. Um, some of their stuff going on in the locker room with the vaccine and all that. It really makes me wonder if this could be more than just a one down game for them. You know, honestly, I, I have to agree with you that that it's more noise than it is news. You have Mike Tomlin as your head coach. And I think I had him ranked as the third or fourth best head coach in the league back when we did that. There's no reason why a talented head coach cannot prepare for a team that's better than them week one. Andy Reid has done that for years. He has beaten teams that were better than the Chiefs in week one for years, and that's because he's a genius, and I think Mike Tomlin is that same caliber. Now, will I think that trend continue? Probably not. Just like Andy Reid, you know, you you win a few games early on in the season, and then, I mean, there's just too much tape to watch. 
I think that's probably what's going to happen with the uh, the Steelers, and I would assume that the Bills will still be an AFC contender. All right, all right. Uh, next game, this this was for sure the most surprising. The um, the last dance, tongue firmly planted in cheek, of the Packers, thirty eight to three. They get trounced by the Saints. Is this news or is this noise? I would say that this is news, and I am firmly behind the conspiracy theory that Aaron Rodgers just came back to uh, destroy the Packers' hopes this year. Um, it's it's a theory that's very new. It's trending on Twitter, so uh, I, I might, my head might just be there. But I I honestly think that that Aaron Rodgers was his head was not in this game. This is not the Aaron Rodgers we've ever seen. I think it's one of the worst games he's ever played, and it's hard for me. To, to get behind a team with the guy that is supposed to be the guy, his, his head's obviously not in it, and he's complained the entire offseason. Like, there, there's a reason that he was contemplating leaving the team, like, three months ago. Like, let's, let's not forget that the other players in the locker room see that. And I've been in locker rooms, closed locker rooms. You push that guy aside. That guy is not part of the goal that you guys are going for. He just kind of makes his way to the back. And this is one of those performances where I don't want to say the team loses faith in Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, it's it's hard to see a guy with so many flaws make have a bad performance and still say, oh, he's our guy. So I, I would say it's probably news rather than noise. What about you? You know, I'm going to call it noise because I do think that this game had a little bit of an element of we had no idea what this offense was going to look like with Jameis. And also the game was, you know, it was moved locations, yada, yada, yada. I still think that the Packers are a good team, but I don't, I don't think that they're the NFC championship team this year. And I, you know, I think it's just silly to think that the Packers had all this un, uneasiness um, Devontae Adams already come out and sa- says that there's no way he's signing back with the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is basically has a trade guarantee built into his contract next year. There's no way that that does not go unnoticed and that that doesn't make some, you know, uncomfortable situations in the locker room. And we talked about this a little bit that the worst team in the NFL is never the team that's bottomed out and traded everyone. Cause that team's got people who are fighting for their job who are trying to, you know, put food on the table, who are trying to make a name in themselves. Sometimes the worst team in the NFL is the team that is full of veterans that were expecting to win, that have big contracts and don't, but they're paid and they don't care. Not that I think that the Packers are going to be the worst team in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think that maybe this team is going to be a a little bit closer to, you know, 10 and seven, nine and eight. 11, you know, especially because the NFC is not necessarily that strong. So if they're going to play down to the level of their component, uh, their opponents, there's certainly a situation where they're much more a divisional round team than a championship round team. Oh yeah. hundred um, percent. Let's see here. I don't, I guess we'll go to this one. Oh yeah. This one, definitely Cardinals bash the titans 38 13 obviously the cardinals nfc team um we don't think about them as much because we don't play them this year if we saw them it would be in the super bowl but the titans were you know a sneaky trendy pick to pick in the afc um what went wrong they lost their offensive coordinator and unfortunately uh, that tends to happen to good teams with with good coaches um i i really that's the only thing that comes to mind. Like people also said that their defense couldn't be worse. I've been a fan of the chiefs. It can always get worse. The defense can always get worse. That's that's all that happened for four years in a row. Oh, they'll be better next year. Worse. Oh, they'll be better than that. Nope. Worse. That the defense can absolutely be worse. They lost key players and they invested in Julio Jones, which they don't throw the football. So Okay, cool. You, you got a brand new toy. You're going to waste the end of his career not throwing him the ball with Ryan Tannehill, who I think is a little bit of an overrated quarterback. So that's my diagnosis. What did you see? You might have seen something completely different. Well, I mean, I, I do agree that the the Titans defense is just it's just not there. And 
you know, there's always room for improvement. It's week one, but the, the defense is still just a major concern. And then I saw, and truthfully, the Browns, the Ravens, the Titans, they're all the same team. They're all a team that's got good playmakers that rely on the run game. And if you take that run game away from them, it completely takes them out of the game. Derrick Henry is the worst of them. That's why I scoff at Derrick Henry winning offensive player of the year. The guy is good at one thing. Now he's the best at that one thing of almost any player in the league, but you start passing the ball and Derrick Henry comes off the field. He is not a, he's not Christian McCaffrey. They took away Derrick Henry in this game early and Taylor Luan got put in a bat body bag by Chandler Jones, who had five sacks in a single game. Just insane. And bad. yeah. And Julio Jones, one catch for 13 yards. I mean, it, you know, I wanted to believe that he was going to return to form, but maybe he's, maybe he's over the hill. And I mean, you know, next week he'll probably have 200 yards like he does, but this is how it happens with players. It is not, you know, some players have a very gradual decline and then some, it, they just fall off a cliff. I mean, Tom Brady, or not Tom Brady, God, I wish. Um, Peyton Manning got old in, a, in like two weeks. He like looked really great at the beginning of that 2015 season. And then he played the Chiefs once and he got benched. I mean, you know, it, it happens really fast. Maybe that's the story for Julio Jones. Now, even if Julio Jones is just all right, they've still got A.J. Brown, who's a fantastic wide receiver. Um, but you know, there, maybe the, you know, maybe there's a realistic situation that the AFC South is more open than we think it is. Maybe the Colts can sneak in there. I think you are a hundred percent correct on this. I'm like 100%. I think there's a big difference between good teams and great teams. And, and that all starts with the quarterback. Everybody knew that Mahomes was going to throw the ball. Uh, especially in the second half of that game. You want to know what happened? They couldn't stop him. They could not stop him. They couldn't stop the throw to Tyreek. They couldn't stop the multiple throws to Kelsey, even though the offensive line didn't play up to par. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was basically a non-factor, and McCole Hardman might as well have been on the bench. There's a, there's a good it, – it's when can you throw the ball when you have to throw the ball, and everybody knows you have to throw the ball. Ryan Tannehill cannot do that. Baker Mayfield cannot do that. And unfortunately, Lamar Jackson, as great of a player that I think he is, he cannot do that. He can't, especially can't do it right now because he has no weapons that are still alive on the field at this point. But I, I really do think that the Titans really have to rely on that, that run game. And once you get up on them, I mean, we saw it when we played them. It's always the same thing. We go up by two scores. Derrick Henry comes out of the game and Ryan Tannehill is not as efficient. And that's, that's the game plan for all three of those teams. Just get up, make sure they can't come back and, uh, or they can't use the run game and then make them do what they're not good at doing. All right. The last one we'll talk about uh, the chargers beat the Washington football team 20 to 16, not really a barn burner score wise, but if you actually watch this game, I thought this game, and I'll declare this game news, this game had Chargers written all over it. There was a bunch of weird stuff, backup quarterbacks, some really strange penalties, some weird game script things that happened, and the Chargers overcame it. And I've been on this for a long time, pretty much since they got rid of Anthony Lynn. This is not the same old Chargers. And, and it really hasn't been. And it kind of seemed like it. You know, we heard that Austin Eckler might not play. Your fantasy team got scared. But he played. Justin Herbert looked just as good. Mike Williams looked good. They the offense looked rejuvenated. They were doing some interesting stuff, lining up Keenan Allen in the background. Um, your alma mater, or soon to be alma mater, Larry Roundtree looked like a breath of fresh air in that backfield. Um, you know, obviously, obviously Austin Eckler's a stud. You know, I and the defense is going to be good for um, for the Chargers. Washington football team's a good defense. We know that. And yes, they did get to face a backup quarterback. And yes, they only won 20 to 16. But to me, seeing them overcome those things that just seem to trip up the Chargers so often was just a huge sign, especially whenever you consider this is a West Coast team going to the East Coast, playing in the noon slot. So for them, it's more like, you know, 10 a.m. their body time. 
and to overcome it, I thought that that was kind of a statement win by the Chargers. And to me, they might be the third, fourth best team in the AFC right now. Wow, you're you're that low on them. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't call that low. That's just giving respect to what we've seen in the past from the Bills, what we just saw from the Browns. Oh, and- I thought. I thought you meant the AFC West. No, no, I meant the okay, AFC. Okay, okay, all right. No, dude, I'm, the team I'm watching on my television right now is the fourth team in the AFC West. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, uh, I unfortunately do not have the game on near me and haven't looked at the score, so don't don't ruin anything for me. But I think I know how the game is going. No spoilers. Um, Derek Carr is bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I couldn't have predicted that. Um, yeah, so. Uh, just to plug this in real quick, I talked to David Drogemeyer of the Locked On Chargers podcast, um, and I interviewed him. That'll be on our second part this week. He he had some interesting things to say, a lot of which I feel like rang true. Larry Roundtree, he was very high on him. Um, you know, go Mizzou. I, I'll watch all the Mizzou players that make it. I'll especially be watching Tyree Gillespie. Who it was, was a good, it was a right good weekend for Mizzou. Other than Drew Locke getting benched, Albert O had a touchdown. Nick Bolton yeah. announced himself to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, dude. The best players in the NFL are Mizzou alumni, at least to me. But And Patrick, uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Yes, but he could be better. Like, no, but uh, anyway. Yeah, um, the, the big thing for the Chargers is just, is just health and, and Justin Herbert coming back and doing what he did last year. And I really think he has the ability to do that. It did not look like that on Sunday. There, there were some plays that were just, I mean, they, they look like Patrick Mahomes, Texas tech games. I'm going to throw on, I'm going to throw over your head. I'm going to, I'm going to make the plays that matter, but I'm also going to throw four interceptions. Like there, there were some times where he was extremely careless with the football. Other than that, though, the offensive line looked pretty good. I think that they'll be, I don't, I don't want to say a contender in the division, um, but they'll threaten us more than any other team will. And I think once Justin Herbert kind of settles down, gets into the flow of things, you know, he, he's still basic. I mean, he had a really good rookie season, but he, he might as well be a rookie with, you know, playing his 17th game. Just give him some time. He'll he'll play better during the season. And and I think that they'll be, yeah, maybe the third or fourth best team in the AFC. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening in. As he alluded to, we are going to have two podcasts this week. So this was kind of our instant reaction of the NFL week, mainly the Chiefs game as well. So we'll be back with you here in a little bit, uh, probably later in the week, with some more content and looking forward to Ravens Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Good to talk to you, man. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one.